Welcome into A to Z Sports, powered by the BetMGM app. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media. We're Nashville's On Demand Sports Network, and we go live every weekday morning at 8 Central on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Also, find the links to the show on our Twitter and our Instagram story. Hit us up on TikTok as well. More Titans practice coverage later this week on TikTok, too. Got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for our show, and they help out you guys with Wilson County Hyundai. Make them a part of your new car buying process by going to see them in Lebanon or at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. The Bone & Joint Institute, BoneAndJointTN.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care, plus Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get better with Farm Bureau Health Plans. It's better coverage, better rates, better service. Learn more about a plan for you, health plan for you, at fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. Apparently, you had to use your Farm Bureau health plan uh, with your flu. We'll talk about that later on. But uh, shout out Tiffany's watching the show from the beach this morning. Uh, and G-Man says it feels like a Monday. It absolutely does, but it's a Tuesday. So extra bonus for us, short week after a great Memorial Day weekend. And Zach, the Austin Hooper signing in free agency is just getting a little bit better. Because the Titans in March brought in former Browns, former uh, Atlanta Falcon, tight end Austin Hooper, Stanford product who had been to the Pro Bowl. They bring him in for just a one-year deal for $6 million. Now, the Browns had a you know luxury of tight ends where they had David Njoku and Austin Hooper over the last couple of seasons. They The Browns signed Hooper away from the Falcons a couple of seasons ago to a pretty nice free agent deal. But the Browns decided to keep David Njoku. They franchise tagged him. And then the deal got even better for Austin Hooper when the Browns unloaded a new contract for David Njoku. Here's uh, John Glennon with the numbers uh, who covers the Titans for SI. Said the Titans signed Austin Hooper to a one-year, $6 million deal. The Browns signed signed Njoku to four years, $57 million. That's 14 and a half. Uh, the last uh, for each year and their numbers. If you look the last two years in Cleveland, Austin Hooper put up more catches, more yards, more touchdowns in the same amount of games uh, as the two tight ends split time in Cleveland. So you look at the value there for over $8 million less per year is what the Titans got Austin Hooper for. And that just makes you feel very good about how John Robinson was able to sign a free agent who can produce like that to a value deal when we knew the Titans are going to be tight in a cap situation. That has to make you uh, feel even better about Austin Hooper's value here. Well, look, we still have to figure out what Austin Hooper can do for this particular team. And we also have to recognize that Austin Hooper already got that contract. Austin Hooper in 2020 signed a four-year, $42 million deal. He had already gotten his big contract. Oh, and the two problem was he didn't, he didn't even, it didn't last. He didn't get through it, right? So you, you you know, the, the Titans get, and this happens in football, right? You get used goods that maybe it takes a different place with a different team from a different quarterback to have success. You know, you just, Matt Ryan and Austin Hooper had a pretty good deal going down there in Atlanta. The reason why he got that four-year, $42 million deal was because of Matty Ice and his ability to use Hooper. Now then you go to Cleveland and you had ups and downs, right? Now, you had some ups. They made the playoffs. They beat the Steelers two years ago. But at the same time, 
Baker, tumultuous year for the Browns last year, missing the playoffs, is just different. And Joku, you're not – the Browns released him, right? So the Browns released Hooper. They said he is not worth the money right. that we originally it, thought. Well, because Austin Hooper signed that deal you mentioned for $42 million. He got a $10 million signing bonus, uh, and he collected another, what, uh, $6 million. So he got 16 it looks like of uh, that $42 million in the first two years of that deal. He was owed nine and a half this upcoming season, which is where the Browns decided to part ways with him. Uh, so again, like I think, I think Austin, Hooper, he actually got 17 uh, or a little bit more than that from the Browns deal than, than what I mentioned, but the Titans are getting him for a one year deal for just $6 million total. Now the Titans do have a couple voided years on that contract to make his cap hit in the one year this season a lot lower. But again, like you guys say, you know, MB says the Titans is only one year. It's great for the Titans. This is a great contract for the Tennessee Titans compared to what the Browns got David and Joku for over a four year period. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Well, and I think the point I'm trying to make is that this is Austin Hooper's. This is a big contract for Austin Hooper because it's a prove it deal. Yep. This is how you make your next big contract. Which is also good for the Titans, right? Uh, yes, it depending, depends good, on well, what they're going to do afterwards, no, right? It's good and for the, the price Titans. of the market. It's good for the Titans because he gets to prove it on a low contract, one year, $6 million, no sweat there. If he proves it, then maybe you keep him around and you extend him before he gets to the open market. If he doesn't prove it, then you're not tied into him any longer and you just move on. And you drafted a guy in, in Chig in the later rounds that you maybe you hope can develop. I, th I look, I, when he became, when he was released from his contract from the Browns, I was the first person to say, this is the guy they need to sign. This, this is the prototypical tight end that the Titans need within their offense. They're not a passing offense. That's not their offense. They never, they're not, as long as 22 is in the backfield, the Tennessee Titans will not be a passing team. And you know what? If you look at the history, and we'll talk a little bit about history, if you could see at the bottom of the screen with that graphic, notoriously, the Titans have never been a passing team in the history of their franchise. They're not a passing team. Austin Hooper, though, can do two things. He's not just a blocking tight end. He's not. He's not just Cat Stevens, or he's not Swain. He's not that type of guy. He can do both, and he had success. I think you talk about his Brown success. It was not at the level that Cleveland needed it to be for the money that were paying him. But the reason why he got that contract is because of his stellar play with Atlanta. The reason why he had so much success with Atlanta is because Matt Ryan at that time had options. Mm -hmm. That that's when their offense was actually doing well not the last couple of years when they've been like a four-win team for quite a while and so I, I look at this and I look at what Austin Hooper can bring to the Tennessee Titans and I think you have to be excited for what their offense is they're going to run the football first they've got new pieces but now and here's the biggest thing you no longer have to deal with Anthony Ferkser and his underachievements they gave that guy every opportunity to thrive and be a starting tight end in this league, in this league, and really be able to take that next step as an undrafted free agent that worked really, really hard. It's kind of like 
you know, Arthur Smith, he had the opportunity. He took advantage. When he was given opportunities from tight ends coach to offensive coordinator, now he's the head football coach of an NFL football franchise. That's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Ferkser got that opportunity. He got targets. He couldn't do anything with it. I think that he will be so Austin Hooper will be so much better than what Anthony Ferkser was last year, which will help this offense tremendously. Yeah, no doubt. Because and what I felt like I said every week last offseason is that Anthony Ferkser was never going to be a successful tight end one because he didn't have the versatility that nobody believed that Anthony Ferkser could set the edge blocking on the end of the line uh, in the run game like Austin Hooper can, like Jonu Smith could. And so Austin Hooper can do that, which helps you stay uh, loyal to what you are. It helps you be unpredictable, right? Like how many times do we talk about this up? There goes Swayman Pruitt on the field at tight end. They're probably going to run the ball up. Here comes Ferkser. Now they're going to spread it out and try to throw it with Austin Hooper. You can do it all with him. Well, before Pruitt got hurt, they were able to, and you saw that with his productivity. Yes. He caught some touchdown passes, and he made some plays because of that. They were so predictable, and then they tried to become unpredictable. Pruitt got open because nobody was guarding him because they thought they were going to run, and so they didn't take advantage. But we all know that Michael Pruitt is not the same type of tight end athlete that Austin Hooper has proved to be in this league. All right, so let's ask this question, then I'll talk about what I saw from Austin Hooper and Ryan Tannehill last week at Titans OTAs. How many yards and touchdowns does Austin Hooper need for his signing to be considered a success? How many yards and touchdowns does Austin Hooper need for his signing to be considered a success? But real quick, let me tell you guys about the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever you get hurt in life, know who to go to, know who to trust. They've got all type of different physicians and doctors and surgeons who specialize in any type of joint injury or bone injury you could possibly think of. Honestly, right now I'm kind of dealing with like a plantar fascia injury. I'm going to have to be reaching out to the Bone and Joint Institute for that because I know they can take care of me, show me how to rehab it, show me how to get better because that's what they specialize in. The region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care in Franklin or at boneandjointtn.org. A to Z Sports, we are powered by BetMGM. Download the app today. They are the king of the sports book. $10 money line wager in Major League Baseball. This is actually awesome. ATOZ200, that's ATOZ200, all one word, no spaces for a promo code. $10 money line wager on Major League Baseball to win $200 when either team in the game hits a home run all you got to do is find your game with some heavy hitters place your bet home runs hit you have an opportunity to win money that is for new users at bet mgm all right a to z sports we're asking the question how many yards and touchdowns does austin hooper need for his signing to be a success there's some there's some high numbers on here uh keelan says eight touchdowns 600 yards guys these are like these are like really, really good numbers you get. Because Teddy says 800. Steven says 150 and five touchdowns, which sounds like a joke. Daniel says 506. Billy says 450 to 550 and five touchdowns. Tighten up says 500 plus, seven t- touchdowns plus. Chad says 606 TDs. Uh, Steven says 707. Uh, ben asks, is Mike Cole still the Titans? No, he's not. You remember he broke his leg pretty brutally towards the end of last season. I don't know if he signed with another team, but he had a long recovery ahead of him uh, due to that compound fracture there. 
Donald says 500 yards, six touchdowns. Rooney, 600 yards, five touchdowns. AJB, 600 yards and six touchdowns. Tights, Kyle, 607. Eric, 605. Look, we're getting a lot of 600s. It feels like 500, 600 yards is where that bar is. Zach, how do you feel about the answer? I think they're right. Look at the community that happened last year with the Titans. You take there, if you go with Pruitt, Swaim, and Ferkser, together combined, they all had right around 650 yards together. So, and that was by committee, and that was not very good, right? They mm. when we when I sat there and I said, look, it 2021 tight end position. What do you think? Bad. That so if the three of those guys together put together 650 yards, now you have a solid one tight end who has experience being the guy. I think 600 yards is right around where it should be. I think it should be higher. I think actually it should be 700 yards. My number is 700 yards and five touchdowns. And here's why. I think that the productivity of a tight end one, notoriously, Ryan Tannehill needs that type of guy. They don't have a true blue slot receiver either, right? We're going to talk about that here next. In, in uh, What is NWI going to be? I think Cooper is going to be a good safety net for this offense and for Ryan Tannehill. He likes the middle of the field, and you saw that towards the end of last season. I think he can mop up some of those touchdowns from the trio last year, but the tight end position was dog last year, and three guys got 650 yards combined. I think they're going to get a lot more out of the tight end position overall I think Hooper, which I've always believed in, is going to be a good signing. I'm going 700, five touchdowns. It's one lower than one year he had six touchdowns for the Falcons. Uh, Hooper did in 2019, right before he got his $42 million contract. That's my number because also Hooper is the veteran. You've got Robert Woods coming off of an ACL, as we know, even though it sounds like and looks like he's doing well in his progression. And you've got Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is a rookie. I don't know what Traylon Burks is going to be. Traylon Burks, is he going to be Justin Jefferson or is he going to be Laquan Treadwell? I have no idea. We're going to find that out. Hopefully uh, hopefully somewhere just in the middle of that. (laughs) Hopefully, but you you don't know. I know what Austin Hooper can be with the right offense and the right quarterback. Obviously, Baker Mayfield was not the right quarterback for him within that type of offense. 705 touchdowns. To be considered a success? Yeah, that's a, that's a great I, year. I, I, that's a solid year. There, there's okay. There's no doubt that would be a great year for Austin Hooper in this Titans offense. But I think that's too high for us to consider that a success. I think if Austin Hooper breaks 500 yards and five touchdowns himself, that's a successful signing for the Titans. I, I don't. I think it's he's capable of what you're saying. I don't disagree with that because I think there's opportunity within the offense. But I think to consider this signing a success, it's over 500 yards. Anything beyond 500 yards is just extra great. And I think he can do that. But if you look at the history of the Titans, Delaney Walker had 807 yards in the 2017 season. They missed the playoffs that year, and he was the leading receiver on the team. We know that was a very different offense 
that was with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry splitting time. Uh, the last year of DeMarco, Mariota was limited, right? It's a different offense here. If you go to 2019, when Tannehill started as the as the quarterback, you see Jonu Smith uh, with uh, 400 and uh, – hold on, where are they? Oh, I'm in the postseason. Jonu Smith was with over 400 yards receiving in 2019. If you go to 2020, Jonu Smith also just over 400 yards receiving from the tight end position. Last year, why, why, was, why did he do that in 2020? Because they had two stud, they had two wide receivers who were one was over a thousand, one was under. Wrong. Luan got hurt. That's the reason why and those that, numbers. So a, that number, of, that number would have been a hell of a lot higher if Luan had gotten hurt. If Luan would have been in the game, and we all know I his disagree. first five games, Jonu Smith was lights out. Oh. But after that, after Luan went down, they had to put Jonu eighty-one to go in there and help block because they were duct taping that position. So that. Uh, that's where the underachievement of the tight end position actually began when Ty, uh, when when Lawan went down. Zach, that was also an historic offense for the Titans franchise when it comes to yards and production because Tannehill was barely short of 4,000 yards. Henry had over 2,000 yards. You had A.J. and Corey Davis who combined for over 2,000 between the two of them. And then Jonu had a really good year. Jonu also dealt with a knee injury towards the end of that year. We don't truly know what a number one tight end for all, let's say, 17 games can be. And that's what we, we're predicting. We're not predicting well, with, Hooper only plays 12 or 13 I, games. Again, my, my point is, I don't think what you're saying is out of the question. I think it's attainable. I'm just saying, we if, if he had 585 yards and five touchdowns, you, Zach, would consider that a success for Austin Hooper, right? But I expect more. Like, I think, uh, uh, like, that's not the question. Like, the question is, what would you consider a success? A successful signing. If he's over 500 yards himself with five touchdowns, I think everybody would take that for a one-year deal, especially because what do you want to happen? You want Austin Hooper to be third on the team in receiving yards. That's what you want to happen. You want Burks and Woods to be around the thousand number, and then Austin Hooper to be around five hundred. Then you want Phillips to be around four hundred, maybe NWI around four hundred. That's what you would prefer. And so, if Austin Hooper is at seven hundred or more, then what's the health of Traylon Burks and Robert Woods, and maybe Kyle Phillips isn't what we want him to be? I think you want Hooper to be right around six hundred yards. That that is where you want him to be in the role of this offense. Because you want, you'd rather give it, give it to more explosive guys and then have Hooper help you score points in the red zone. Well, and I think starting out this season, Hooper is going to, I think Hooper will have a good start to the season because I think they'll utilize him in the passing game more because of the doubts or un... un well, because of the, the lack of health of Woods and Burks right now. Because what I saw last week in Titans OTAs is that Ryan Tannehill in seven on seven or full team, whatever, again, no pads, just OTAs in late May, was targeting Austin Hooper quite a bit. And that's a good yeah, I thing. expect that. And yes, that, that, that's it is, it makes logical sense. What do, so you were at practice. What do you think about Chig? I think right now Chig is a, he's a, uh, what's, what's the right word? term to say this he's a package he's a sub package tight end he's he's not ready to be a full tight end 
at this point to be relied upon to do everything. That's just not setting him up for success. It's you put him in certain situations to allow him to succeed. You get the ball in his hands in space and let him go run. Like that's what Chig needs to be. And so he's probably more of a third down and passing type player, or maybe, you know, you gain five or six yards on first down and it's second down and where you have uh, options and you, you give him the ball here and there. But I, I think right now he just got a lot of learning to do when it comes to blocking and he needs to put on some more weight. And so that's what the summer's for. I like him. I just think he needs time because the tight end position is really tough to transition into from college. And you've got Austin Hooper who can do everything. So why not use it? You're only paying him 6 million bucks. Well, and that's, I don't think that my number is too high because of what they will ask Hooper to do. I mean, how many, how many targets do you think he'll get? I think Hooper is going to get a ton of targets. Oh, let's see how many targets. Um, and then the caveat to this is what, and this is, will be our second discussion as we move forward is what is Kyle Phillips going to be within this offense? And what is NWI going to progress to be a part of this offense? We can kind of predict what they're going to ask Robert Woods and Traylon Burks to be. We, that, that is more understood, but I think the number that you're about to say, whatever your prediction is going to be, really hinges on the other two wide receivers of their productivity or lack thereof of what they're going to get from Hooper. And then Chig, you answer the question correctly. I mean, he is a package guy. He's Janu in year one. I mean, that's what he is. He's going to take some time. But how many targets do you think that he'll get? 65-70, which I, I think you know, you'll see probably – three guys, you'll probably see Burks, Woods, and Hooper all be around that 70 target number. I just think it's going to be very spread out this year. So they taught, so Ryan Tannehill last year targeted the tight end position right around a hundred times. That was that, that is the number that was all three of them. That was Pruitt, Swain and Ferkser right around a hundred. I think that they're going to target the tight end even more because of Hooper. He's obviously going to get the, the the bulk of it, the yeah. bulk of that. And then I, I mean, I, this is an upgraded tight end group. I mean, last year it was like committee, but the committee was no good. You know, this year there's some hierarchy and I like that Swain can actually be the guy that they need him to be right. No more, mm-hmm. no less. Chig is a project and you've got Hooper that I think will rack up some yards, especially those short, I think, turnaround, like tight end position, go across the middle, hook route right in the middle of the, the and and you saw NWI a little deeper. I think Cooper's going to come in a little shallower, right around six, seven yards, catch the football, turn around or make a move. That's a good play, right? And, yeah, yeah. and you're going to, and what they're going to try to do feed the linebackers up because of Henry and try to get that space available. I think Cooper does that very well. Yeah. A to Z sports here live on this Tuesday show. Again, the question was how many yards and touchdowns would be considered a success. I think your numbers are more of a prediction, but a success for Austin Hooper north of 500 yards, five touchdowns or so. I think that's considered a success based off of what the Titans were unable to do last year. So, and again, there's my, a lot but, of, I, but, but it's just my expectations are higher out of Hooper. 
than yours. I just think it's a different way of of talking. About, I mean, we didn't ask my prediction. I think my prediction is around. I didn't say prediction. I said expectation. Uh, okay. Again, I I don't. I think it. I think we just answered the question in different ways. I mean, I consider that a success over 500 yards. That's a good signing for six million dollars for a free agent tight end to come in and have 500 yards and five touchdowns in a in a season. I think that's a successful free agent signing to build on maybe one way or the other. Well, and look, he's, he's playing for, I want to, I don't want to say his career, but he's playing for a contract in the sense of if he has a bad year, he's going to be back on a one year deal around the league next year. And that's not what Hooper or any player would want to do. No doubt. It is Esports here live on this Tuesday. We still got Tuesday sports trivia coming up, but we're going to talk about a question that Blaine Bishop asked me a, an interesting question on Friday on 104.5 The Zone. So we're going to turn that into a new topic about NWI and what his ceiling might be compared to a former Titans wide receiver. But first, uh, Zach, tell us all about Farm Bureau Health Points. Yeah, fbhp.com slash A to Z. Better coverage, better rates, better service. Now, I switched my coverage at the beginning of this year, and I'm glad I did. I was sick last week. I had I had the flu. I didn't I tested negative for COVID, but the flu, I mean, it, it whipped up on me. The best part is, and I was texting also with this, is like I didn't want to do this, but I had the ability to use the Teladoc feature within my health plan. It was absolutely free. I didn't have to pay a dime. I was sick as a dog. I I didn't have time to think about, oh, well, this is gonna cost me. What is it gonna cost me? Oh, and I live video chatted with a real doctor went through you know a line of question questioning they gave me uh two prescription or prescription medicines which helped me and get me back to where i am today high energy ready to roll i was low energy down in the dumps last week but the teledoc did help me it gave me a good peace of mind and it gave me some medicine thank you to farm bureau health plans it was simple it was easy and I, I reap the benefit of my plan. This is straight honesty, homie. I mean, you guys have watched me go through this progression. You should go through it too, at least to get a quote. That's fbhp.com slash A-T-O-Z. Don't forget, download the BetMGM app and use our code today, A-T-O-Z 200. That's A-T-O-Z 200. All you got to do is you put in your first deposit, you put a $10 Moneyline wager down, on any game in Major League Baseball, and you're automatically going to win $200 when either team in that game hits a three-point shot. It's easy as that. With the BetMGM app, download it, use our code ATOZ200. You put in your first deposit, and then a $10 Moneyline wager on any Major League Baseball game wins you 200 bucks when either team hits a home run. Visit BetMGM.com for terms to get issued 200 or older Tennessee only new customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non trouble free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days. For problem game support, call Tennessee Redline 800-889-9789. What's I up, do, I, I do want to address this real quick. Oh, Turbo Duran thinks the Raiders are going to win the Super Bowl this year. That would be interesting. We'll see what Devontae Adams do, does. But Bobby brings up, I just think Zach always sets the bar at a point where players always need to set near career record marks. Bobby, you talk about Austin Hooper. This is what I did. His best season was 787 yards. I went 87 below that in a prove-it year, right? His career is backed up against the wall. 
I think a quarterback that's going to utilize him and a situation that he can thrive under very similarly to where he had a his career year with the Atlanta Falcons. I did not set his bar at a career year. A career year would have been 788 yards. I didn't say that. I said 700 yards. He also had six touchdowns within that career year. I didn't set that. I said five because I think that they're going to target him. So there's a philosophy there. I just believe that Austin Hooper's year, a lot hangs in the balance of his career based on this year and this opportunity. You know, when you sign a $42 million contract with the Browns, you're kind of like, wow, mama, I made it. Well, sobriety sets in two years later when your ass is released and now you're on a one-year $6 million deal. And as Austin mentioned earlier in the show, he didn't get anywhere close to the $42 million. Right, but again, like you're talking about the 2019 Falcons, Zach. So we also have to understand what is the difference of the 2019 Falcons when Hooper had those high numbers and the 2022 Titans. Because the 2019 Falcons leading rusher was Devontae Freeman, who had 656 yards. So, right, so there's a lot of a lot more passing in that Falcons offense where Hooper had 780 yards than there was rushing because the entire total team ran for 1,300 yards in that Falcons offense. And so, obviously, Austin Hooper had more opportunity because the the Falcons were also 7-9. and nine. They were a bad team. So they were throwing the ball more, which that's why you can't always look at at stats for all that. Well, like you, have you, understand also, the, you have to understand the situation of the team. No, I, and I, I fully do understand the situation of that team. And more importantly, this team, Tannehill, you just went through it, has never had a true blue tight end one for all 17, 17 games of a season. He hasn't. Him being a tight, even in his career year, you went through it. He never truly had a tight end one for all 17 games. We're basing this on predicting that Hooper, we don't, we're not going to say he's going to turn an ankle in week four. We don't know that. We're predicting that he's going to be what they signed him to be. Tight end one for all 17 games. That's what I based mine on. And one more game of a season can mean I don't know, 60 extra yards for a good game. I I always remember when the Titan Up podcast a couple years ago said that the Titans receiving yards are like the Canadian dollar. You have to adjust. It just doesn't go as far. Because you look around the league and you see all these other teams putting up crazy numbers and the Titans don't. So it's like whatever What about 2020, though? Well, again, that's... But Zach, like A.J. Brown barely broke 1,000 yards. Like, that's my point. A.J. Brown was phenomenal in that year, but barely broke a thousand yards. But if you, if you put him on a different offense, then you say, okay, that 1000 yards for the Titans converts to like 1200 or 1300 with any other franchise. That's just well, how the Titans offense works. But it also justifies that the Titans spread the football around. They don't just feed their number one wide receiver. That yes. also, that help that helps my case for Hooper. It's not just a Julio Jones, Mike Evans type offense that they just feed their best guy the rock. This ain't Cooper Cup, right? They spread the football around because they've got to get Henry his. And let's just face it, Traylon Burks is a question mark. and Robert Woods is proving that he can come back off an ACL, you know, as wide receiver number two. That's the situation. They don't have the luxury of some of the other football teams that, 
know exactly who they are and who they're going to get out of their healthy receiving core. So that's you're actually helping my argument. Okay. He's got to I mean, spread the football around. I know, which means that Austin Hooper's numbers are not going to be as high as what you think they are. Anyway, no, they spread the football around in the sense of they don't have a true number one wide receiver that they can just feed the rock like, you know, it's Cheerios in the morning. Zach, and even when they did, the targets didn't look the same as everybody else. Even when they did have a number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown, he got 106 targets. That's my point, is that the passing game, the, the stats, the Titans don't go as far than other NFL franchises. That's the situation. That's how it always is with the Titans. Give me a number one tight end for all 17 games with Ryan Tannehill. I think he's going to be utilized. Hey, we'll, we'll find out. That's the best part. All right. A to Z Sports here live on uh, this Tuesday. The next conversation we're going to have, Nick Westbrook-Akine. Is his ceiling higher or lower than Justin Gage? Which I find this funny. Because uh, Patrick of Bama on Twitter just asked us uh, in response to this question, slow news day? Yeah, it's May 31st. It's a slow news day. But we're having a conversation about a Titans wide receiver. And I think this is an interesting conversation, too. Who said that? Uh, Patrick of Bama. Yeah, Patrick of Bama didn't click. Patrick <laughs> of Bama just responded based on our title, which is good. We want interaction. Way to go, Patrick of Bama. But you're not in here. And if you are, please reveal yourself. I highly doubt that he actually clicked. But this is our a second topic of our show that I actually think puts a little bit more brain power. I don't know about how Patrick, uh, you know, what school he went down there in Alabama, but he got put, put your brain cells together, boy. That's what, I mean, th this is actually a very good nuanced question. I agree. Yeah. If you actually think about Titans history and what Nick Westbrook Ikea can be or Ikea, if Ikena. he can put it all together, Ikea, Ikea, <laughs> Ikea, if he puts it all I together, E E Ikea. All right. So NWI. So I was asked this question by Blaine Bishop on Friday. He said, he asked me, do I think the Titans believe NWI can be a wide receiver too. And so it wasn't about what I think NWI can be, but what do I think the Titans believe in NWI? Because right now, like I'm going to go to practice tomorrow. There's going to be Robert Woods in a knee brace going half speed, Traylon Burks being one in one out on every drill, and then NWI doing all of it, right? So the, the he is getting number one reps right now because of the situation of the other two guys that you would like to have above him in the, in the depth chart. What is his ceiling though, right? He's an undrafted free agent guy going into year three. And I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's interesting to see what the Titans believe in it because they trust NWI, but I don't know what the ceiling truly is. Well, and Roy's right. And you alluded to it. Ryan Tannehill threw to NWI because he had no one else he could rely on. I mean, it was just the unique situation of last year in the injuries. So, you know, you're saying that he's getting all the reps in practice. Dude's been getting all the reps for a while now, right? This is nothing new, but you know, and the unfortunate part is that Ryan Tannehill's last pass of the 2021 football season was intended for NWI. Unfortunately, it landed up in the hands of a Cincinnati Bengal. You know, couldn't make the grab. Couldn't haul it in. Now, right. it was a difficult <clears throat> catch. It was The throw should not have been thrown. But that is what it is. 
he's been getting these reps, you know? And the fact that we, you know, this truly does shine light on how archaic the Titans offense has been in the history of the franchise. You know, Justin Gage, and we looked this up because I said this in pre-show, Justin Gage was a one receiver. <laughs> and we, but now, look, the era of football has changed. The mm-hmm. problem is Titans football hasn't really changed that much. It's changed slightly, but we're comparing a undrafted guy that has just gotten opportunity because of injuries around him and unique situation to the number one wide receiver that was not very good for the Tennessee Titans. Well, and so Justin Gage in 2008, he averaged 54 yards a game. Uh, NWI last year averaged 46 yards a game, right? As for the most part, he was wide receiver two last year, right? So he put up like decent numbers for the situation he was in, especially if you think of NWI, really his first year as a wide receiver because his undrafted rookie season, he had three catches for 33 yards. Then he goes for 38 catches for 476 and four touchdowns. So you like what he did from a growth from year one to year two, but still it's the opportunity that he was forced to have last year that makes you question the true growth. But I I do like him. Ideally, he is your fourth receiver option. Fifth, if you include Austin Hooper. Ideally. But we also know that depth is only as good as its health. And last year, the Titans, we thought, had great depth at wide receiver until everybody at that position, besides NWI, got hurt. And he was the lone man out there who was out there every week reliably playing in these games. And I I think his ceiling is lower than Justin Gage. Because Justin Gage was a more physical specimen than NWI. He was he would go up and get the football. I haven't truly seen that from NWI yet in his career. Now, Gage came to the Titans after four years in Chicago. So he was way more mature in his career than NWI is right now going into his third year. So we have to remember that, but I, I still think it's lower than Justin Gage. I, I still think he's a reliable contributor to the offense, but I agree with Brent. His ceiling is wide receiver three. I think. Yeah, I agree that it's lower because his opportunity will be lower, right? He won't get as much. I mean, he won't be on the field as much as Justin Gage was. I, well, and then you brought this point up, which actually made me laugh. Why has anybody, you know, that we should learn that you never go sign a free agent Chicago Bears wide receiver after they have drafted him? Like, I mean, in no, his, it, I mean nobody wrong, has nothing been was good. Wrong with, nothing was wrong with Justin Gage. Like, he was, for what they paid him, and he was fine. That wasn't, it wasn't Justin Gage's fault. I thought he was productive for a couple of years. It was their fault that they didn't have anybody else there. They had like Justin McCarron the second time I go around and Brandon Jones. I mean, they, yeah, they had trash, a trash wide receiver group. Yeah. Uh, here, here's their wide receivers from that year. Justin Gage for, with 650, Brandon Jones with 450, Justin McCarron's with 412. Then you have to go all the way down to Lavelle Hawkins with 68 yards. 
Like, that's it. That's all they had was Gage, Brandon Jones, and Justin McCarron. Bo Scaife had a good year. Chris Johnson, as a rookie, had some plays. And then Algie Crumpler. That was all they had, that, that offense. Woof. But it was the smash and dash offense that won 13 games. Here's the glass half full on NWI. And look, I'm not an NWI hater. I'm kind of indifferent. I'd like for him to put it together and be that piece that I think Titans fans think that he should be. So I actually was talking to somebody uh, in and around the Titans uh, about this recently. And the one thing that I'm excited about Traylon Burks is what I think Traylon Burks can offer the Tennessee Titans that Julio Jones was unable to provide is said bucket. Now, what does that mean? We talked about that last year. The Titans never really truly were able to or did find what Julio Jones' best ball was. What was his favorite route? Was it a comeback? Was it a back shoulder? Was it a deep ball? Like they never found his bucket. And when you need a play, how can you go to your number one or number two wide receiver and get their bucket? The Rams did that very well with Cup and Odell Beckham Jr. last year. The Bucks did that well when Godwin was healthy and Mike Evans. The, the Vikings, when Adam Thielen was healthy and Justin Jefferson, that was a great one-two punch. But each of them had their own bucket. I'm excited about Traylon Burks because I think his bucket is going to be hands fully extended, bigger, taller, faster, jump higher, catch the ball at the highest point, come in and grab. That's what it was in Arkansas. I think that is what it will be. And even the practice video they released last, last week, that was his bucket. Now, that is a good bucket because that's a Steph Curry three-point bucket. That is... Counts three. It counts thirty plus yards. It's right. It's also hard it, to guard. It like right, and, and, and you gotta have a again, good quarterback to do it. But again, the completion percentage on it is not as high as as a layup, right? Right. But big play percentage. You you make that play. You get down in the five, and now you have Derrick Henry to get you that five yards. I say all of that to say this: the Titans were able to figure out Nick Westbrook Akina's bucket his bucket is the seam route it's right down the pipe and and Tannehill threw him the ball numerous times where they got big yards now he wasn't fast enough to outrun everybody all the time right but it was a good 20 yard reception if you can get that a handful of times throughout the course of the season you talk about a success that is an NWI success that is a Short, you know, that that is like a Serge Ibaka 16-foot jump shot, right? That Serge is going to come in there in some scrap minutes. He's not the player he was when he was playing at Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant and uh, Russell Westbrook, but he can come in there now and get you that shot. Mm -hmm. That's all you're trying to do. So yeah, over, under, higher, lower, I mean, it's lower. But if he can just accomplish that bucket, and get that, let's say, five, six times throughout the course of the season, hell, that's a good, successful relationship between the Titans and NWI. Yeah, uh, okay. So we both think lower than Justin Gage. But again, undrafted rookie that you sign develops into a guy who can be a contributor in the passing game behind you know who you draft and who you trade for when it comes to Burks and Robert Woods and whoever else 
might emerge in the passing game. A to Z Sports here live on this Tuesday. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, going to put uh, Turbo Duran in timeout on YouTube because he is just being ridiculous and distracting the YouTube chat. So, all right, Zach, it is time to move on to sports trivia on a Tuesday. Uh, we got a, we had a good week last week with Jack and I on th- we did sports trivia on a Thursday. We had a really good week uh, going seven and three. And all the questions, Zach, were pre-1980. But we went seven and three. Wow. Which I thought was a really, really good performance out of the team. Uh, but A to Z Sports, Tuesday Sports Trivia. But first, tell us all about Wilson County Hyundai. Yeah, Wilson County Hyundai is where you need to go to get your next ride. WilsonCountyHyundai.com. Whether it's the Palisade, the full-size SUV with third-row seating, great for the family, or the fuel-efficient Sonata, I mean, the, I, I own a Sonata. I love it. The fuel efficiency is unreal. It's unmatched. You get a good quality car that has all the bells and whistles and at a great price. Payne Bone, family-owned and operated right there at Wilson County Hyundai. You quick trip down I-40, exit 236. They have the Ionic. Also, you can order the Ionic. That is battery-powered, so you don't have to mess with fuel or the Tucson and the Santa Fe. They have your perfect make and model. You just got to find it at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Don't forget, download the BetMGM app. It's pretty simple today. Just use our code ATOZ200. That's ATOZ200. You place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game today, and you will win $200 when either team in that game hits a home run. As easy as that with code ATOZ200. On the on the Bet MGM app, it's time for trivia. Tuesday Sports Trivia is presented every week by BrentwoodImprint.com, your brand on anything. If you own a company, if you got that side hustle, you want to elevate that brand, elevate your business. Also, if you work uh, for a company and your company needs new swag, new gear, new office supplies, whatever it might be, Go to your boss, go to whoever, and say, hey, BrentwoodImprint.com because they're locally owned and operated. Charles is a great guy. They do great work. Quick turnaround, BrentwoodImprint.com on our Tuesday sports trivia segment. Zach, uh, we got seven sports questions, three non-sports. The only rule, no Googling. No Googling. We've already had to uh, suspend somebody for a week for Googling, Uh, but let's get this thing rocking and rolling here, Zach. All right, first question, baseball, pre-1980. What player earned two World Series rings as a starting shortstop for the New York Yankees in 1977 and 1978? It is multiple choice. So, Phil Rizzuto, Bucky Dent, Tony Kubek, or Thurman Munson? What player earned two World Series rings as a starting shortstop for the New York Yankees in 1977 and 1978? Phil Rizzuto, Bucky Dent, Tony Kubek, or Thurman Munson? Rizzuto is the only name I recognize. Because of Billy Madison? Only because of Billy Madison. (laughs) How about the word buzz? Um, we're getting Bucky Dent with a lot. Bucky Dent and Munson are the most popular, but I think, man, I, Scott says Bucky Dent, lock it in. I think we have to go Bucky Dent because G-Man, who we know is, uh, 
of that age that would know, says Bucky Dent. So I, I think we have to go with Bucky Dent. You want to lock it in? Finally to Z, Bucky Dent. <clears throat> Widely remembered for hitting a three-run home run that gave the Yankees a 3-2 lead in the 1978 AL Division tie-breaking game against the Boston Red Sox. Bucky Dent yeah. is the correct answer. All right, Not known for a power hitter, too. Man, Rizzuto, that just thinking of that scene just makes me smile. <laughs> All right, one to know start to trivia. Let's keep it rolling. All right. What NFL quarterback was drafted as a pitcher in the 2000 MLB draft? Donovan McNabb, Tom Brady, Michael Vick, or Drew Brees? What Michael NFL Vick, quarterback Tom. was drafted as a pitcher in the 2000 MLB draft? So, I mean, this is actually, I mean, I don't know if it's trickeration, but like you may be drafted in a different time that, than you were drafted in the NFL. Read the options again. Donovan McNabb, Tom Brady, Michael Vick, or Drew Brees. What NFL quarterback was drafted as a pitcher in the ah. 2000 MLB draft? I know Vick was drafted, but I don't remember if he was a pitcher or not. I feel like having Michael Vick be a pitcher in baseball is wasting his athleticism. Tom Brady is not the right answer. So I think it's between three. It's McNabb, Vick, or Breeze. I don't think it's McNabb either. And I also don't think it was. I think it's it's got to be Michael Vick. What is the chat saying? The Vicks, The chat says Vick or Brady. I don't think it was Drew Breeze either. It's not Brady. I know the history. I think it's Michael Vick, like a 30-something round pick. Because he was also drafted. The 2000 football season is when he blew up at Virginia Tech. So I think it's Vick. You want to lock it Finally in? Finally, is he Vic? Drafted in the 30th round in the 2000 MLB draft by the Colorado Rockies, Michael Vick did not sign and went on to be selected by the Atlanta Falcons. I kind of got the round right, too. All right, uh, two and a start to this trivia. Who is the only goaltender in NHL history to re record 10 30 win seasons in his first 11 seasons? Oh, my. Dominic Hasek, Hendrick Lundquist, Chuck Rainier, Turk Broda. Only goaltender in NHL history to record 10 30-win seasons in his first 11 seasons. Dominic Hasek, Hendrick Lundquist, Chuck Rainier, or Turk Broda. Where's Alex Doherty? I think Hasek. Hasek, dominant Hasek, 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 Hasek. Tomato, tomato. For both ways. Lundquist was very good. Yeah, that's. I think it's Hasek. Dom, let's go. Final A to Z. Oh, you're locking it in. Yeah, I locked it in. <clears throat> ah. Henrik Lundqvist dominated play during his rookie season as a result of the New York media and his Rangers fans gave him the nickname King Hendrick. I mean, tough. It was a coin flip of those two. So, all right, two and one. I don't know if this is a trick question or if this is the easiest question we'll have. <laughs> yeah. 
What football team did fullback Jim Brown play for? The Cleveland Browns. Is he considered the fullback? There were, I mean, they, yeah, like halfback, split back. There was like a lot of different terms of back because there were no like wide receiver. You know what I mean? But it's the Browns. I mean, obviously, Jim Brown and the Browns are notorious. Yeah, but but the fullback thing. I think it's just a era of naming positions. Fullback, yes, Cleveland Browns. Do I lock it in? Yeah, finally, easy. Sorry. Frequently regarded among the greatest football players of all time the most valuable player four times an NFL champion played for the Cleveland Browns in 1964. Yeah. Let's just remember there was no such thing as a running back. Then it was halfback, fullback, all that kind of stuff. So yes, flanker split end, (laughs) all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, Three and one start. Um, Let's see here. Who was the first rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era to throw three touchdown passes in a playoff game. Hmm. Who was the first rookie quarterback in the Super Bowl era to throw three touchdown passes in a playoff game? I was kind of thinking like Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger makes sense. He won his we're first. Getting, we're getting a lot of big bins. Roy said, Roy L. Wright says the Miami dude. Do you mean Dan Marino? Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl a second year. Yeah, I think it's Ben Roethlisberger. I think Ben Roethlisberger sounds right. We got a couple more Sanchez is in there. I don't know if the Dolphins went to the because Dan Marino was a later first round pick. He was like in the 20s. So the Dolphins weren't a bad team when he got drafted there. Kurt Adam says Kurt Warner. That's interesting, but I don't know if he would qualify as a rookie because of his other CF Arena League stuff. Because it's the first, right? Not the only, the first rookie quarterback to throw for three touchdowns. I'd still think Ben Roethlisberger makes the most sense. Do we want to go with Big Ben then? I think so. All right, let's uh, lock in Ben Roethlisberger, final A to Z. Oh, man. We were way off. Oh, well, that makes me feel okay. The loss. Man, I remember this game. January 15th, 2006. Packers, Cowboys. Dak Prescott completed 24 of 38 attempts. Three touchdown passes. 2016, right? You said 2006 the first time. Oh, 16. Yeah, excuse me. Because I was like, 
Chad yeah, Henson? Yeah, yeah, 26. <laughs> I was like, what? All right, so, so three and two. Okay, we're halfway there. What sport do the Dallas Rattlers play? Is this lacrosse? I feel like I've seen this in our Dallas. Is it football? Is it arena? No, it's not. The Dallas Rattlers. I want to say they're a lax team. Lax, bro. Titans Coliseum lacrosse. I David. think it's. I I know this because I, I mean obviously I spend a lot of time in Dallas. Justin says a hundred percent lacrosse. Yeah. I power to the people. This is this is lax. This is lax, We're bro. We're getting a lot of arena footballs though. I have a good. Okay, if, if you want if you want to go lacrosse, then that can be your your locking in. I mean, Jeff Rubles feels pretty confident about that. Titans Cal says his buddy lived in Dallas and loves lacrosse. All right, if you want to go lacrosse, you can lock that in. I'm locking it in. The Dallas Rattlers are a major league lacrosse team based in Frisco, Texas. Okay, four and two, going into our last sports question. What team won the lowest scoring game in Super Bowl history? What team won the lowest scoring game in Super Bowl history? It's got to be one back in the day. Nate says the Patriots. MB says New England. David's uh, oh, yeah. Patriots 13-3, right? Yes. Yeah, the Rams. 13, was there? Let's lock it in. It's right. Yeah, Patriots. Final A to Z. Man. Patriots won Super Bowl 13-3, defeating the Los Angeles Rams. Okay. Man, we almost went back to the 70s on that one for no reason. All right, so we're, uh, what we say, 5-2. and two. In our sports questions, what you got here? Um, who played Chandler's father on Friends? Nathan Lane, Michael Douglas, Elliot Gould, or Kathleen Turner? Which makes it's kind of weird. Who played Chandler's father on Friends? Now, to be honest, Mr. I'm Bain. not a Friends guy. I think friends is kind of stupid. I wouldn't be friends with any of those guys. Uh, the the women friends are attractive. Don't get me wrong. But Chandler, Joey, and the loser, Ross. Ross is a loser. Here's some shade. Ross from friends is a loser. Okay. I would never hang okay. out with that guy. Okay. Okay. I would never be friends with him. Ever. Kathleen He's a Turner. loser. The answer is Kathleen Turner because apparently... Uh, Jose says it's a transgender character and Eric says his dad turned into a woman. Ah. Kathleen Turner. He was a Vegas singer. So Kathleen Turner, you lock that in. I guess so. Finally, is he Kathleen Turner? No, I have no idea. Uh, several episodes of friends, including the one with Chandler's dad, which aired on May 10th, 2001. Kathleen Turner played Chandler's father, Charles Bing. Interesting. I don't think I've watched Friends since like I graduated high school. 
I never went back. It was I never went back and watched it like as an adult. But anyway, all right. So eight. We are now. That's eight questions in. We are now six and two. Yeah, that's the reason why you watch Friends because Ross is a loser. Um, all right, next question. This is actually pretty interesting, and I I don't know what TV series showed the first interracial kiss on American network television. Ooh, Family Feud, man. Star Trek, The Cosby Show, or All in the Family? What TV series showed the first interracial kiss on American network television? Family Feud, Star Trek, The Cosby Show, or All in the Family? We're getting, Star, we're getting Star Treks. Okay, that makes sense. I'm getting a lot of Star Treks. Donald says, lock it in, Star Trek. We're going to lock it in? I guess so. Final A to Z. Boom. The first interracial kiss on American network television was in Star Trek. Hmm. Episode entitled Plato's Stepchildren, which aired on November 22nd, 1968. Okay. William Shatner kissed uh, Nichelle... Nichols. Well, yeah. Uh, Chuck says Captain Kirk kissed Uhura. I, I know who Captain yep. Kirk is. I don't know who she is. Lieutenant Aurora. <clears throat> All right. So uh, seven and two. Can we get to eight and two? Who shot JR? Who? Who shot JR? That's the question. That's the question. Quickly film like an idiot for not knowing who JR is. Who shot JR? It, it's this is a thing, and I've I've heard of it. I've heard about it. I, I don't know what it is. Kristen Scott says, Oh, Dallas, that show. Kristen from Dallas? Kristen. Scott says Kristen, lock it in. Okay. So Dallas is the show. Yeah. So Kristen. Yeah. Kristen, I guess finally to Z. Yeah. Kristen. In the final scene of the 1979 80 season of Dallas, J.R. Ewing hears a noise outside of his office, walks out to the corridor to look, and is shot twice by an unseen assassin. The episode titled A House Divided was broadcast on March 21st, 1980, and viewers would have to wait until the November episode to see who done it. Hmm. It was learned the shooter was Kristen Shepard, JR's mistress and his wife's sister. Sue Ellen's sister. Don't be saying. sleeping with your wife's sister. Rule of thumb. Don't sleep with your wife's sister. Wait, but the sister shot the husband. The sister shot the guy. That, yeah. he, that his mistress was the sister's yeah, I know. or his wife's yeah. sister. Yeah. Right. You can't be doing that. You're never gonna be able to make that switch. <clears throat> you, you, there, there's another Seinfeld episode. You can't make the switch if your if your mistress is related to your wife. It's hard to make the switch when your mistress is not related. Well, I mean, to your I, wife. I mean, come on, like, like you, 
So eight and two was our final answer. Was our final score eight and two? That's a really good week. That I mean, that's really good. Very good. I like it. What is where? Where are we uh, on so, the scale? I don't know because as soon as I came back from vacation, you got the flu, and so I don't know what you and Jack did while I was on vacation. Uh, we were seven and three. Okay, that's what Jack thought. Wasn't sure. So now I'm gonna have to go back to to the final numbers and update it. But I feel like we're doing pretty good because I feel like we haven't had below seven and three in the last few weeks. This is our best. I mean. We're rocking and rolling. We had a. I mean, a minus huge... the time when we started thirty-five and zero. Yeah, but those are the questions. Yeah, that was. Yeah, this is the most skilled we've been. All right. Good Tuesday show to start the week. It's already Tuesday. That's great. So we'll see you guys live tomorrow on a Wednesday. The Titans going to be back on the practice field, so we'll talk about uh, what we're going to go look to see for out there. So thanks for watching, everybody. Good job on trivia today. Good team effort from everybody because Zach and I had no idea who shot JR. So the eight and two is up to you guys. So thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and we'll talk to you later on. See you. Adios.